Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Man in the Post Weekend Review Show. I'm your host Ali, and as always, I'm joined by Dave and Simon. How are we, chaps? Uh, not too bad, thanks. Been better, yeah, but all right, yeah. generally. That was a long weekend of football. Well, it's just ended. I mean, we should, how are you, Ali? Maybe we should ask you how you are. How are you? <laughs> I am. I, I am much better than both of you because I'm choosing not to watch. Hmm. So it means the insufferable um, forum Liverpool season. Um, much, much easier to cope with. Um, as I said to you both of you pre-pod, Liverpool fans have got to the stage where they're now tweeting that they want West Ham to lose to Sheffield United so they could have stayed in the top four for two more hours. <laughs> <laughs> wow. uh, it's, it's a spoiled life of Lewis. I, I, I do appreciate that, but, you know, it's just, it's, mu- it's much more enjoyable not seeing until you get tagged in every Alisson mistake in a group chat on, on a Saturday afternoon. <laughs> Right, shall we start there then? Um, Leicester City 3, Liverpool 1. Um, Liverpool fairly comfortable from all accounts from what I heard up until about the 65th minute, I believe. Somewhere about then. 75th minute, possibly. I think, I think Salah scored on 65 or something, didn't he? And then... yeah, oh, yeah. Madison in the 78. So, yeah, up until about the 75th minute. Vardy had a few chances in the first half, I believe, but... You know, Liverpool looking fairly confident, and then, yeah, then 15 minutes happened. Um, I mean, thoughts on this, Dave, and um, what was Alisson doing? I mean, well, it's the type of thing, normally I think it's not that unusual for him to be coming out there, because he's kind of made a made a name of himself in doing it, but normally his defender, defenders know he's coming, but uh, obviously you knew lad whose name escapes us. Um, Hadn't, back, yeah. had, hadn't read the script whatsoever and found himself very close to colliding with him and obviously Alison skews clearance and it's bad news from there but the uh, that was obviously the, that was for 2-1 wasn't it and then before Two, that yeah. just before that we'd had the equaliser which was a comedy of errors from everybody because Thiago, yeah. Thiago gives away a needless free kick on the edge of the box and then is it a penalty? No it's not it's a free kick and then it's goal it's offside it's not offside Um Massive fan of Klopp saying it's not offside because he doesn't think it's offside, despite <laughs> <laughs> despite fairly conclusive evidence to the contrary. I mean, granted, you couldn't really see for me, you know, but he was there, and therefore it is offside. He is not a ghost. Um, I, it was just bizarre, very strange end of the game. Um, I was very close to saying like Leicester have blown it again. I had a great chance to take some points of a, a you know a, a fellow top four rival to, to whatever you want to call them. Um, and they barely laid a glove on you since Vardy's offside chance in the first half. And then, obviously, you just imploded. Basically gifted them the game. 
think that's the word for the season, to be honest. <laughs> hey, Simon? Um, yeah, it's just a complete collapse, wasn't it? I mean, that second goal, for me, Alisson is 100% to blame for that. I, I think the defender's going to get a foot on that. Like, why he's come flying out there. I mean, maybe because he made the errors last week, he, he kind of thought, I need to do something here. But, I mean, that was just ridiculous. And then, in the third goal, how easily Leicester cut through them. Um, yeah, it's just, it just seems to be going from bad to worse for Liverpool at the moment. I, I think one of the biggest things, is, one of the biggest mistakes Klopp has made is, has been moving Henderson back into defence from the midfield because I'd never sort of I'd been a massive fan of Henderson, but I think you've seen over the last six weeks or so, how much he actually does add to that midfield and how sort of important his role is in there. And Thiago, for you know, as, as good a player as he is, and we've all seen how good he's been over the years, he just doesn't seem to be the right person for the way Liverpool play. If he was at someone like City, he'd probably look a lot better because of the way they play, whereas Liverpool just doesn't seem to be working for him at the moment. So I'm not really sure what the answer is there. I do, Fabinho. <laughs> Like that that's that's for me that's where this season's gone wrong because he's not in the middle of the park. He's the as good as I think you mentioned that last week, Dave. Um as good as he's been at centre half, he's also our best midfielder. Um and Thiago was brought in to play alongside him. And I think that's as it's not as simple as that, obviously, but um I don't know if it is as simple as as that with the Fabinho argument, because the results were still sort of coming when, when he was playing in defence. Like he was doing well there, but you were still winning the games. I, it's really been since he, he's actually taken Henderson out of the midfield as well. That That's where the slump sort of started results-wise for me. Well, that's it. That's your two first-choice midfielders then playing centre-half. Mm. Um, whereas Thiago's then trying to do it, because I, I think, you, you both know, I think most people know my, my thoughts on Genie Wijnaldum. Um I think he's anonymous for ninety percent of a season, and then there'll be five games sporadically throughout the season where he'll play like the greatest midfielder that you'll ever see playing football. Um, and and I, I find it strange that we're relying so much on. I, I get injuries is not helping, which is again further down to the owners' like cheapness and. And Klopp even for hiding, you know, covering for them, saying it's just the players, not the players he wants, etc. But like he he's out of contract at the end of the season. He's free to sign for any foreign team, I believe it is, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah. Any European team, and he's still playing ninety minutes every week. Like, you can't tell me he's a hundred percent invested in Liverpool when he's he's basically opening leaving the club at the end of the season. No, I think as you said, it's kind of out of necessity, isn't it? You, uh, yeah, got your defenders, well, your midfielders playing in defence. Uh, I don't think either Henderson or Fabinho have done terrible jobs as defenders, but as you say, their replacements in, in midfield haven't been. That's yeah, that's any, my issue. Anywhere near it, yeah. the same. Um, but I agree with you, Ali, that Fabinho has been probably the bigger miss in there because um, you haven't really got another another ball winner like him. Um, or someone who can press as aggressively as he does. Um, as you say, you've got a lot of kind of, you know, Shakiri's not going to do that. Wayne Allen's not going to do that. Curtis Jones hasn't, you know, he's, he's 
he's probably your best bet, Kirsty. I'm not doing that, but in terms of someone you should be building your midfield around at the minute. Yeah. Um, has never fit, as you said, on numerous occasions. Um, Kate has not been injured for the last four weeks, I believe, but they've got him on a special programme. Well, it's like Torres towards the end of his time with you, where it was like he's either he's always either been rested or recovering from an injury. Like he just, it's, yeah. it's just silly. Like, well, hopefully this program that I've had him on is like <coughs> trying to change his body to suit a bit like they they did it to Joe Gomez when he came up because they, Joe Gomez put on a, a a lot of muscle and his body couldn't handle it. I see. Uh, so they they tailor made whether whether it's the case or not, but obviously his injuries haven't quite worked out either. His have been quite quite serious in fairness, not really niggles. He's never missing one or two weeks. Um, but for for a team to be like, I I understand the whole kind of spoiltness over like the success Liverpool had in the form we've had, but because of that form. I think that's where the the anger comes towards the the owners. Not quite as bad as as yourself, Dave, um, <laughs> with owner wise. But but I, like they've come in and openly just ran it as as a business. Probably very similar to Ashley. You know they want to take as much money out as they can while putting in as little of their own money. Because um, even the the new stand that we had um, in the training ground, they're all done on loans um, against the club, not against the owners. Um, Klopp's net spend, yes, he's spent money, but it's only spending money that he's selling from, like, obviously Barcelona spent stupid money on Coutinho. Um, but even even the players like Origi, supposedly we were actively trying to sell him, but we were expecting 40, 50 million for him in the summer. Um, trying to get 25 million for Wilson, rather than accepting the 15 million from Leeds that was offered. You know, things like that. Um, just... I don't know, just very, very poorly run at the moment um, and lack of investment. Like, we sold Lovren, who obviously I'm <laughs> never a big advocate of him. <laughs> but that put us down to three centre-halves um, for the season. Yet we spent all last season slating Mag City that they were short because Laporte got injured. Um, and they were blaming that for their, you know, catastrophic season last year. Yet we've followed suit the next year expecting to do better. Um... I think yeah, I I I really do think we'll struggle to get top four this year. Um, but I think the key point that you said, Dave, like you you expected the way it was going, Leicester to do a, a Leicester against a you know a top four, top five side, and especially Brendan against Liverpool in fairness. Um, and whilst not being not being great, they might that's a that's a massive three points for them that keep them securely in the top four. Well, that's it. So that's got to be their aim, hasn't it? Get back in that Champions League, and every week they're looking more and more likely. I mean, they've, they've kind of negotiated Vardy's yearly yearly injury. Um, they've lost James Justin, which is a shame. But I think Castagna's due back in a few weeks, and Ricardo Pereira's back again. So they've got a lot of strength and depth. Um, they've got they've got an awful lot going for them. To be honest, Leicester, I'll be I'll be surprised at the bloat this year. Yeah, I think they've. I mean, who's the teams around them really? Um, I mean, Chelsea. You'd imagine Chelsea the form, not so much the form. Well, they're four four wins in a row in the league, I believe, under under Tuchel. Um, you'd you'd fancy them to get top four, and I mean, I, I really don't fancy West Ham to to maintain 
like top four for him, if that makes sense. Oh no, definitely, uh, not. definitely not. And, and I certainly don't think we can. And I, I, <coughs> same, Everton kind of fall into that West Ham category, really. I don't, I don't think they can stay consistent enough. Um, so I think the top four might be, might be locked in. I mean, obviously we take a a decent run of games by a couple of, a couple of teams, but yeah, I just I think the four there could sustain enough. Um, Consistency till the end of the season. Uh, yeah, I mean, you, you can't write yourselves off yet. I would have thought you'd be back, but it's not looking great at the minute, is it? But you've got to say, you know, get get over your blip and you'll be right back in the mix. Be be Everton at the weekend and <laughs> all forgotten about. It. Well, yeah. <laughs> is that your next game, Everton? Everton at the weekend, yeah. Oh, that's a big one. You've got yeah, to win that, so. surely. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> um, but yeah, so not interesting, interesting performance for the end at Liverpool. But um, fantastic three points for Leicester. Um, we'll move on to high score in Burnley again, Dave. I'm going to come at you. <laughs> like Sean Dykes in the last month or so, possession goals. What is going on? 3-0 Burnley. Well, Away to Crystal Palace, Dave. They beat an awful team here. Um, I mean, fair play, as you say. They, they got the goals. They played well. Um, but when Matt Lawton's dribbling the length of the field and playing a 1-2 and smashing in a volley, like, you've got to ask questions of the opposition, haven't you? It's, um, I think well, I was listening to some of the pre-match build-up before this one on, on, uh, on whatever it's called, Soccer Saturday, and um, they feel like the the worms really turned against Old Roy because um, they were all talking about this was probably going to be his last season. And I was like, well, I haven't really seen that report anywhere. So whether they know something or whether it's just the general feel they get about the place that he's going to walk away at the end of the season. Kind of as you were saying before about Wijnaldum um, not being fully invested. I don't think a lot of those Palace players are fully invested anymore. Um, I think there's quite a lot of them. Well, one, not that good in the first place and two, over the hill. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if quite a big turnaround of that club in the summer whether it's the manager and the players or just one or the other but I feel like they've reached the end of the road um, they'll stay up because it's Palace and they play well like one in every five games that's enough um, but uh, they were absolutely atrocious here and Burnley were quite comfortable throughout Yeah, It's, it's funny you say that I was listening to uh, another weekend review pod uh, this morning at work and they had, you know, the Eagles Beak website? Oh, yes, yeah. They, they had a, a Crystal Palace fan for that on, and they were saying, um, they mentioned about, the, I think the big rumour is, and, and amongst Palace anyway, that this is Hodgson's last season. Um, and six of that starting lineup for Palace are out of contract. Yeah. yeah. Um, at the end of the season as well. So it's like the, it's not like they've given up on Hodgson, like they still respect him and like him. But it's kind of just like that. They're maybe bored of the ideas they're you well, know the, the style of play I think um, when you get to this point in the season and you're out of contract are you really going to you know give it everything you've got for, for the remaining th- three months when you're probably safe anyway that's it yeah and it's and supposedly they're not even being offered contracts it's not that they're even turning them down so you wonder if there is slight slight bitterness there as well it would be a it would be a concern if you were a pal. I mean, as you say, they're 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 likely safe. Um, 
couple of more wins would, you know, just put them at ease in, I mean, there's 14 games to go um, at minimum, at ma- aye, minimum, yeah, sorry. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it must be a concern for, for Palace just now. Um, another massive three points for Burnley. Did you hear Jay Rodriguez after the game saying Matt Lewin does that every day in training? I did hear him say that, and I thought, Yo, you are full of shit, Jerry Rodriguez. There's absolutely no way that happens. Well, I suppose if it's against Peacock Farrell in training, I can believe it, because there's no way Nick Pope's letting that happen. <laughs> Sean, Dyke, if he, Sean Dyke sees that happen in training, he's coming on the pitch and slide tackling somebody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was a good, nice technique on the finish, but how on earth he was allowed to travel that far and play a 1-2? And not like a nippy little 1-2, like a high and floaty 1-2. Like, it was... Yeah. It just doesn't make any sense. I, I do love me some Burnley. Um, Simon, a man who was on um, Sean Deitch train at the end of last season. What was your thoughts on this? Um, yeah, very impressive performance from Burnley. As Dave said, Palace, absolutely atrocious. I think you take Wilfred Zaha out of that team and it just makes such a difference, doesn't it? They, they have nothing to offer. Um I mean, I, I still haven't said that. I didn't see Burnley sticking three past them. They, they're not exactly high scorers at the best of times, especially away from <laughs> home. Uh, that Lowton goal, absolute thing of beauty. That he, when he was at Villa, he scored a, a couple of good ones. One in particular, where at Stoke, I remember, was an absolute beauty. So he does have it in, in the locker. Whether he does it every day in training, maybe a little far-fetched. But uh, he, he certainly has got a hell of a strike on him when 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 he uh, when he fancies it. You, you mentioned Zahalia Simon. I, was, I just quickly had a quick Google because I couldn't remember the exact stat. So I just just typed in Palace without Zaha. The first thing that pops up since the start of the seventeen eighteen season, Zaha. This can't be true. Oh, this was two years ago, so that was posted. So ignore me there. But even then, that was eleven games. Um, Zaha didn't play in. And he didn't win. The uh, Palace didn't win a single game. Um, I'm sure I, I read something that it was 15 out of the last 17 games that Zaha hasn't started or hasn't played, and Crystal Palace have failed to win. That's says that, it all. Yeah, it's the epitome of a one-man team. Yeah, it looks that way, doesn't it? I mean, yeah. I mean, you've got Ben Teke and Ayu, so. <laughs> <laughs> I think I get the impression that they've pinned all their hopes on Eze, either, you know, replacing him when he goes, yeah. if he goes, or, you know, convincing him to, to stay because he's an ambitious signer. Um, whether it works out or not, I, I don't know. I think, as I say, I think there's big changes to come at Palace. If not this summer, then surely soon, because I think I, I can see, if they keep if they keep Hodgson, I can see them starting next season slowly and them just deciding to get rid of him. Um, yeah. It, I think he deserves to go on his own terms because he's, I think he's done a great job there. But um, absolutely, they've kind of reached the point now where they're not progressing. They're only going to go backwards. I, I feel Zaha's oh, without being like the one man. I feel Zaha staying or going is is key to what Palace do as well. Um, obviously, if he goes, they'll get a decent amount of money in, and they could invest it possibly well, depending on who. I think. Uh, Crystal Palace's biggest problem might be the same problem as Spurs, which we'll come on to in a minute, is do they keep the manager past the end of the season? Because um, then they, they, they almost have to trust him with the money to spend, and then if they do inevitably change if things don't go 
you know, the way they want at the start of the season, then they're back to square one with a new manager if it's not the players or the system or the style of players, you know, that they want. Um, so I think it could be a big summer for a lot of teams, quite you know, a, looking down that route. It's quite a big carrot, isn't it, to say, like, right, you can, you know, whoever the new manager is, we're going to sell our half, I don't know, 30 mil. You can have all that to spend, plus whatever else they've got, probably a bit more. Yeah. Um, you know, build your own team. Like, that's... Someone like Eddie Howe would be like, oh, fucking hell, I can buy Josh King with that. Like, I mean, he'll be... Well, <laughs> well that, that was the man I was going to bring up, was that, that Eagles beat Crystal Palace fan said he's the he's the big favourite to, to take over. Uh, I think that's a, it'll be a good move for Eddie Howe. I think it's... I, I think for his sake, he needs to go somewhere like that rather than... He's been linked with the likes of Everton in the past, even you know, Newcastle, um, probably Villa as well. At some point or another, like you know, all these clubs mm. are kind of like yeah. fairly large, um, not as big as the top six or whatever, but um, you know, still probably bigger than he deserves to be at from what he's done. I know he's done very well at Bournemouth, but you know, it's not those clubs. It's like a, he's had a good few scenes and then obviously went very wrong at the end. So I think he needs to go. And Build at a slightly larger club first before he goes to one of these bigger, bigger sides he's been linked with. Wonder if he sells Zaha how much Liverpool could get out of Eddie Howe for Origi. He's, he's got history. <laughs> well, I mean, so looks on a shop and he's like, well, Solanke unavailable. <laughs> you might the, go back in for him now. Nathaniel, Nathaniel Klein's already here, so that's that's a save, that's a money saver. <laughs> <laughs> Um, where are Crystal Palace in the league now? They are 14th um, on 29. Burnley 16th on 26. Burnley win their game in hand, which is against Fulham. Obviously, Dave will be hoping they do first oh, time score Burnley. Yeah, <laughs> I've, I've, I've always said it, right? Burnley are like a, sec- it's like a second team to me. <laughs> <laughs> um, Burnley win that. They go level on points with Crystal Palace. Um, jump ahead of Brighton as well. So... Um, Look out on Wednesday evening, everyone. Dave Black in the middle of Newcastle will be sitting with his Sean Dyche hat on. I mean, to be fair, like, even if even like Burnley only point above us, like a draw wouldn't be the worst thing. Like, I mean, I, 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 I agree. I agree that Burnley probably aren't going to go down under any circumstances. But just in terms of you know not being cut adrift here, <laughs> I wouldn't. <laughs> well, I kind of want to keep as many teams as possible in the mix. But never mind. <laughs> keep them nearby. Well, we'll come on to the. The champions-elect, um, I think we're, we're all in agreement here. I can't see many teams stopping this Man City team this season. Um, a 3-0 win against, from, by all accounts, a very, very poor Spurs performance. Uh, I mean, Simon, I'll come to you first in this one. Um, Spurs' run of form is actually worse than Liverpool's just now. Um, and Man City <laughs> keep, on, keep on ticking over. Yeah, I mean, it's very, very comfortable uh, for City. I mean, Tottenham didn't start terribly um, but they only had sort of one proper chance a Harry Kane free kick which he struck really well and looking uh, to have hit the post of that but once uh, once City got ahead I mean it was, it was pretty much game over say that they were so comfortable but Spurs just didn't really offer anything at all um, Mourinho was complaining about the penalty I don't think he's, he can have really too many complaints he was you know clumsy challenge from Hoiberg, I think it was. Uh, just sort of came in and took him out. Uh, the, the best bit of the game for me was uh, the, the third goal and Sanchez's... Um, <laughs> I'd like to call it an attempt at defending, but 
I think that would be far too generous. The best description I saw of it over the weekend was someone said the way he fell, it was like uh, it was like the toys in Toy Story when Andy walks into the room. He, <laughs> he just completely <laughs> collapsed and face planted into the ground. It was, I didn't know whether to, to laugh or like sort of cry, <laughs> feeling sorry for him. It was a it was a very interesting way to try and stop a goal. But um, that Tottenham. They, they just look so poor at the moment and you know City as I say once they went 1-0 up it was, it was game over there's no way Spurs were coming back into that yeah Dave I mean thoughts on the game and um, where do Spurs go from from here yeah well, I mean, it, was, it was like I don't know what Spurs was waiting for it to happen, wasn't it? I mean, the, the penalty was a bit funny because I, I, at first sight, it looked like well, he probably did Gundogan kind of miscontrol what he was trying to do and Hoiberg just carried on as, as Norman was ploughed straight through him. So um, a bit of a needless spot kick, really, because it was, uh, you know, Gundogan was pretty much ran out of play. But anyway, that, that was that. was that, And uh, they never really looked like getting back into it. Um, I don't know how Mourinho managed to do this because it was only a few months ago they were top and... We thought, you know, yeah. we thought he was back, but uh, in that time he seemed to manage to alienate two or three of his players, and uh, they're not going to finish in the top four now. I wouldn't have thought. No, not they were lost. Well, I know, God help them. But I just, I, I despair really because if I asked you at the start of the season, who do you think Spurs' best defender is? I'd pretty much, I'm pretty sure you all would have said Alderweireld. Yeah, but he yeah. Seems, but he seems to be on the bench, like more often than not at the minute. And I don't. Yeah, really, I'm finding that strange. I just don't get it. Like, Mourinho has always been very good at building a well, building defence, really. Um, and for whatever reason, he's decided Eric Dyer is the linchpin, which probably mistake <laughs> number one. And uh, well, sometimes it's Alvarez, sometimes it's Davinson Sanchez, who, as you say, is a disaster sometimes. <laughs> He has moments where he looks relatively composed, but he also has that. Well, fundamentally, he's Colombian, isn't he? So you know he's got that that rash streak in him. <laughs> um, it's uh, it's just a a bit of a bugger's muddle. And I mean, you know my thoughts on the Spurs' uh, attacking options, where they just have players who are either forwards or defenders. They don't really have like wingers or you know. Like they've got people like Harry Winks who, to this day, no idea what he does. Absolutely not a clue. Yeah, yeah, I'm not sure. <laughs> um, and so I, I just, I just think they are probably where they deserve to be um, because if you take Kane and Son out of that team, they're, they're bang average. Um, and obviously Kane has been out for a little while. Um, they've rushed him back. You'll know they'll get injured again, and they'll go through this whole rigmarole over and over again. They've got Vinicius on the bench who gets five minutes at best, and then. You'll probably get hung out to drive on Mourinho or something for not winning 30 headers in that five minutes or something ridiculous like that. Um, he's fallen out with Bale now, I think, although Bale came on was actually quite good, so maybe it's fired fired him up somehow, but it's just bizarre, and it's how he managed to get himself into these scripts. You have a feeling that he's going to win the, the Carabao Cup, so he ends the season with a trophy, and he can <laughs> say, you know, he's achieved, he's achieved something that Poch couldn't, and, you know... But can you see them beating that Man City team in any circumstances? Normally I'd say no, but in a one-off game, could I see Mourinho sitting with 10 men in his own box, stopping Man City, Harry Kane gets the ball on his 18-yard point, punts the ball as far as he can, Sun's just that quick, runs past <laughs> a Man City player at the halfway line, 
the way goalkeepers are defending these days, Ederson tries to tackle him, falls over, and then Sun taps it in in the ninety third minute. <laughs> you know, that would be, have, having Man City having forty six chances before it, um, and Spurs touching the ball once in City's half. You know, you could see something like that happening. Um, could have seen them win the Europa League? Not too many games they'd have to win, but because they're already in the final, yeah, I could see it. Oh well, it's uh... it's, it's likely not to happen. But <laughs> did um, anybody else fall into the the Ederson fantasy football trap and put him in? Because they hoped he was going to be on penalties this oh, weekend. I mean, I, I, <laughs> I, I didn't, but I really wanted to take the pens. I did. I did, and I wanted him to take the penalty, but at least he got the assist. I was going to say, he got an assist, it can't be all yeah. bad, but... Imagine getting a goal and assist for your goalkeeper, I mean, though, that's, that would be <laughs> Well, that penalty from Rodri was absolutely shit, but... Oh, it's awful, do, isn't it? Do you think it's very schoolyard, where, like, if Man City have got this rule, if you miss one, you're not doing the next one? Like, it's insane. It's not like... Yeah. I mean, mm. pick a taker and stick with him for... You know, if he misses three on the bounce or something, then fair enough, bin him, but when you've got fucking Rodri taking your pens, like... There must be a better option. To be oh, fair, yeah. I think when Aguero's in the team, even though he has missed a few, he does seem to still be on them. But I think everyone else, they've just, they miss quite a few, don't they? Like, I think Sterling's missed quite a few. Mahrez well, missed a couple. Sterling's atrocious as penalties. Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, nothing about him. He does this stupid run-up as well, and he always just, uh, he doesn't deserve to take penalties. De Bruyne, fairly solid penalties, you'd think. I know he missed one at Anfield, but so what? Um... Gundogan, German, probably a safe bet. I know he's missed. He missed it at Anfield again, but um, surely you just pick your taker and you say, right, you you are the penalty man. Like it just seems insane. They've got to go through what all eleven outfield players. It goes back to De Bruyne. Back yeah. to yeah. like, I'm against footballers missing penalties. Well, I think missing yeah. the, missing the target's fairly unforgivable, um, especially at the, you know at that level. But they allowed a mistake. I would have thought. It annoyed me. Chris um, put up a poll post on Facebook that um, if you if you scored three penalties into prime Manuel Neuer, you got a hundred million. Um, how much would you be winning? I think if you scored two, you got less, and scored one, you got even less, or whatever it was. I, I I'd comfortably take the hundred million home, and I'd share it with all you guys. <laughs> I'm not missing. I'm not missing three penalties. I'm not missing one penalty against Manuel Neuer. From 12 yards, I'm not missing a penalty against any goalkeeper in the world. Well, I always find it odd, like, if, you, if you're a professional footballer and, and you're not certain about, you know, taking a pen, just hit it as hard as you can. Like, surely, yeah. surely that's, yeah. your, that's your get-out-of-jail-free there. And I wouldn't be doing, a, like, a, a pansy runner either. Like, just run no. and belt it. <laughs> surely that's That's your... why defenders are great at taking penalties. <laughs> Uh, I've never understood it when people try and do those soft little placement ones and they get saved. And you just think, if you leather it, even if the keeper gets a hand, it might still go in. If you hit it hard enough, it baffles me as well. That's pretty a, much a hard place penalty is almost impossible to save. That's pretty much what Salah does now. He just, yeah. he just blammels them, doesn't he? He doesn't think twice. <laughs> Especially now, like, a striker has no, or a player has no excuse. Like, goalkeepers literally can't move now. Yeah. You know, it. until the ball has been kicked. They've never been given more of a an opportunity. Like, uh, like Bruno Fernandes, he should miss more than he does because of that run-up. Yeah, true. Yeah. Um, but he also gets so many penalties to practice from. 
<laughs> well, it nullifies. I suppose more homework for the keeper, though, isn't it? Yeah. Um. We'll we'll move on from there. I mean, I think. Well, uh, well, Man City are just kind of ticking by. They have Everton on Wednesday, I believe. Um. Yes, Everton. Everton and, away, uh, I think. Isn't it? Yeah. it is. Yes, and then Spurs are just kind of. Yeah, uh, Spurs. So, just quickly, we're, I mean, Spurs are ninth just now. Um, do we? For me, if I was a Spurs fan, I would rather, unless I was going to get top four, which I think we all agree would be very, very doubtful, I'd want to finish outside the Europa League places. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know about you guys. Well, I think that's really what they need, but then again, I said they were Arsenal and they're sitting tenth at the minute, so <laughs> it's, uh, I think Daniel Levy will be desperate for them to be in some sort of European competition, because that stadium doesn't yeah. pay for itself <laughs> I think they'll go all out to try and win the Europa League now to get in the Champions League yeah, that way that's I think that's probably their best bet well, it suits Marino doesn't play over two legs as well yeah I think well Simon last game of the Saturday evening um, <laughs> Brighton 0 Villa 0 um, was this just because the mass Singer was on and the players wanted to watch that instead <laughs> God knows it was a uh... Not great performance from Villa, and it was a performance that summed up Brighton's season, really. <laughs> played really well, but they just don't have a, a, a proper goal scorer that, that's going to put the chances away. Um, I mean, from Villa's point of view, it's, it's probably the one time this season where we offered nothing going forward. Like, even in, in games where we've lost, we've still sort of been a threat and created chances, but... Fairly sure we only had the one shot on target, and that was like a daisy cutter from well outside the box. Um, I don't really understand it because obviously we've been playing, you know, games sort of two games a week, but we've had a week off, so you'd have thought they'd have been a bit fresher. But the front four just couldn't get going. Brighton uh, doubled up on Greedish really well; he just couldn't get into the game. And if it wasn't for Emi Martinez, I think Brighton. Would definitely have walked away with all three points. Um, I think he had nine shots. So he had to say that they had 26 efforts on goal, nine on target. <laughs> to be fair, kind of there was only one or two saves that he made that were like really, really top saves. The rest I kind of expect him to. There was one from the Dan Burn header from a corner, which was just an unbelievable save. And that's 12 clean sheets for us now this season. I think our Premier League record over the whole season's 15. So I'd fully expect him to break that. So it was just just really disappointing, but kind of one of those games that you just hope, you just try and chalk it off as a bad day at the office and, and you hope that, that that's all it was and it, it's not sort of a pattern that's going to continue on in the next few games. The thing is, like, you've lost the same number of games as Brighton have. They don't lose that many games. Yeah. They, don't, they don't win that many games either, but, yeah. you know, they... they as you said, they they play in such a style that they do everything except score, and it means they always have the ball. They always have the ball a lot. So um, I don't think there's any shame in getting a draw here. Um, I know, obviously, for what you ask, what your ambitions are becoming, you'd want to win every game against bottom half teams. But I think Brighton are, are very decent and hard to beat. Um, I mean, granted, yeah. as you say, it was poor that you didn't really get going at all. But uh, I think I, I do honestly think that was down to Brighton playing well rather than you know you not being at the races? Yeah, I mean, they 
they uh, they moved the ball really well. We couldn't really get a foothold in the game. But what was really disappointing from our point of view is the amount of times we needlessly gave the ball away. Mm. Like Louise and McGinn are normally quite good with their passing, but they just every time they pass, like he's straight to a Brighton player. Barkley had a really poor game, and he's, there's a number of Villa fans now who aren't totally convinced with him. I'm still sort of 50-50. Like, to be fair, I think when we signed him, I said, the problem with him, the, what's been his problem his whole career, is his inconsistency, which is why at the age of 27, he's on loan at Villa and not playing for Chelsea regularly. Because ability, he's got the ability, but he just doesn't show it on a consistent basis. And it's so frustrating when you know what he can do and he just doesn't do it. And it's, it's so, as I say, just really frustrating to watch. I think that's really striking about him is that he, he hasn't got any better in seven years now. When you think he went to the 2014 World Cup and was a, a decent option for England, he came on against Italy and played quite well. And that was seven years ago. And that was you know that was when he was at his absolute best. And I don't think he's really hit those levels since. Um, he had a brief time under Sarri, I think, at Chelsea when he had a bit of a scoring spree. But again, as you say, it comes in fits and starts, doesn't it? Start yeah. start off for you very well and then got injured and now he's decent, but was pretty much anonymous here, wasn't he? So it's uh, it's a funny one. I don't know how you how you solve it. Yeah, well, I mean, to be, since he when he came back from the injury a few weeks ago, obviously we had the I think it's like five games in fifteen days or something stupid like that. And so he actually, having come back from injury, was playing but hadn't done any training. So. Maybe he's had obviously one full week of training now. Maybe another one might just sort of get his match sharpness up. But as I say, I'm kind of I'm I'm very much on the fence as to whether I'd want us to sign him permanently. I think if he, he'd have to remain injury free for the rest of the season and start producing on a more consistent basis. I think. Um, well, I want to ask you two things really. Firstly, about Sans, Sanson, Sanson, the midfielder. Yeah. Now, is, what's he going to do? Is he going to be? Do you think they've signed him as like a Barkley replacement and then you obviously can use him to bed in for the next five months while Barkley's there and then move him on? Or do you play a different I, I think there's some thinking in that. I mean, to be fair, I didn't know too much about him before we signed him. I haven't sort of read up on him. I think he's sort of like a... I, I heard one journalist describe him as like a jack-of-all-trades, master of none, but he didn't mean it in like a bad way. It's just like he's he's pretty good at everything, but he's not spectacular anything in the midfield so he can sort of play a bit deeper if you want or you can have him further forwards and I think there might be an element of well yeah as you say let's get him in sort of maybe six months earlier than we would have initially done give him a chance to bed in and then if we don't end up signing Barkley then we've got someone maybe to sort of do that role if we do want to sign Barkley then it just makes our squads that uh, that little bit stronger so yeah, it'll be uh, to say it'll be interesting to see sort of the rest of the season. I think he's got quite a bit to do if he wants to make this move permanent. And do you think Smith should be rotating your team a bit more because you pretty much play the same eleven every week, regardless? Yeah, I mean that's that's another sort of big bugbear amongst the Villa fans. It's part of me thinks yeah we should, but there's another part of me that that looks at that bench and. If you take you know one or two players out and put a few more in, uh, put a couple in from the bench, it does significantly weaken the team. I I think you can maybe make the odd change here or there from a game by game basis and not 
have it be too much of a problem. But um, my one of my worries is sort of burning out. I remember back uh, sort of like the late noughties under Martin O'Neill, we had a very yeah. good start in eleven, but not much else. And we'd always have a really good start to the season, but it would get to late February, early March, and the players would just burn out. And we'd go from being third, fourth in the league at the beginning of March, and then come the end of the season, we're well outside the top points-wise. We're just well off the top four and finishing sort of six, seventh. So. That is a slight concern, definitely. Yeah, good points. Good, some decent questions there, Dave. I had no idea what you're talking about. So, Villa had played, you know, such consistent 11s. Um, but we'd also explain the, you know, the consistent form over the season. Um, it's, it's quite nice to hear, like Simon get, you know, get down on a draw with Brighton. It just shows how well their season's gone. That, one nil nil. It's quite disappointing for them. It's um, just because I know what we're capable of. You know, you've sort of yeah. done the double over Arsenal. We played really well at Chelsea. We played well yeah, at United. I've, Do you know I've what I mean? It's... And yeah, it was, it was quite uncomfortable that seven two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's, the fact that two games against Brighton, we took one point this season. Two games against Burnley, we've only took one point. You kind of think, you know, that's their their points dropped that that were more than there for us to get. So, but don't get me wrong, in the grand scheme of things, the fact that we're sitting eighth is unbelievable to me. So I'm I'm not complaining at all. No, absolutely not. Um, we'll move on to Sunday's games and then um, the battle of the teams who just don't seem to know how to win. Um, it seemed, um, and we have Wolves. I wouldn't say snatching, but. A 2-1 Wolves away win. Um, Danny Ings opening the scoring, Ruben Neves penalty, and then uh, a lovely Pedro Neto goal to, to seal the win, Dave. Yeah, um, like you, I kind of thought this would be a draw. Um, neither team's been in, well, I think Southampton were bottom of the form table and Wolves weren't much further up the, the, the table, so I was surprised that Wolves were able to win it, but uh, Southampton were in an awful position at the Mandanda. They're just uh, devoid of, of any confidence. Um, Neto almost single-handedly turned this round with, with the the goal he scored. He had absolutely no right to score from where he did. Not sure how that was allowed to happen, really, but he is... Wolves' is bright, bright spark is the one good thing for them to come out this season, I think. Um, he's really come of age. Um, Danny Ings' goal was lovely, but... Ultimately, comes for nothing. Um, do you, do you think Southampton could be in a spot to bother here if they don't sort themselves out? It's a tough one. Um, considering it was only a couple of months ago they were sitting top of the league. Um, granted, only for a few hours, but they were still um, they were still there where they now 13, 29 points. Um, they've got the who's to keep in hand to um, Leeds away. Leeds, which I mean, could, if they lose that, stay on twenty nine points. I mean that uh, game, that game could feasibly finish seven all. Like I have no idea how that would go. <laughs> <laughs> but that's only if Danny Ings scores all seven for Southampton. That there goes your problem. Well, um, yeah. <laughs> I think I think they're safe this season. I really do. I think. We're too many teams below to drop as many points for Fulham because there's only one, I believe, realistically, who could stay up out at the bottom three. 
I think that's the only thing that might keep them safe. Um, but they need to get out of this because they're in free fall. Like it's not even, it's not like they're even picking up results and then losing the game. They, I think since have they won a game since Liverpool? No, I, I think that's six defeats in the row for them now. Yeah, 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 yeah that's right. So beat Liverpool and then basically lose every other game, including a nine nil. Um, Wolves, who I think we've kind of not slated for the past few weeks, but they've just been a, a team with no identity, no form whatsoever. And um, from what I'd heard, it just it, they didn't really didn't really struggle too much either. Once they got the you know the the, the equaliser from the penalty, it seemed to be fairly comfortable for for Wolves after that. Yeah, well, this is it. I say like as soon as Wolves scored, I seem to just knock the confidence out of Southampton again, which is. Bit of a difficult situation in the bane because you can't really go, you know, go concede a goal and that's it. You kind of just turn it in. Um, they didn't against us. I mean, obviously, that was on the back of having just lost nine nil um, and playing against ten and the nine men and still couldn't equalise. I'd love to. It's just bizarre. Isn't it? They went, I think we were this last week where they were third. Was it just before Christmas? Um, and now I don't probably well haven't won since whenever they beat you, which must have been around New Year's Day or something, was it? Can't think of the, when it was. Yeah, about that. Yeah. Uh, and now the thirteenth, and you know I don't think they'll go down by any means, but it's kind of when you get into a slump, it's hard to see them getting out of it um, because of the way they play. They're always going to be slightly open to conceding. Yeah. Um, it's just. Strange how you know Hassan Hootel's um, reputation must be nosediving by the week at this rate. <laughs> yeah, they don't seem to have like that player, do they? They don't have like a player who can kind of grab the game by the scuff of the neck to to tie and turn it around, or a player who can just make like Ward Prowse would be the one that you would think because the the leader and Mr. Southampton, but he can only really make something happen if they get a free kick or a penalty. Yeah, I was thinking watching them play, I was going to say, like, in open play, he actually contributes so little. <laughs> it's, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's strange, really, because... He doesn't have a position. Like, no. I, I, don't, I really don't know what position he could play in, but he's so important to them for set pieces that you need them to play. You do. Uh, I mean, they've got no one better. Let's... Let, be, to be quite honest, they're not like keeping someone else out of the team. I just, I just don't know what you do with them. Um, they seem to have them playing mm, almost, almost alongside Romeo, but obviously a little bit further forward. Um, I used to, I, I actually thought Romeo was quite good at the start of the season, but he was like a bull in a china shop here. He just got booked quite early on. Like as soon as he gets booked, that kind of nullifies him completely. Um, yeah, yeah, because it's daily play. There's a lot of labels to them, but it's kind of like high risk and, and high reward, isn't it? So if it goes well, it's great, but if it goes wrong, Christ, it goes wrong. <laughs> I think they are missing Hoiberg a lot in that middle of the park as well, because um, he can still do that dirty work whilst playing the nice football as well. So it just gives them that little bit of reprieve sort of thing, um, because I feel like they've got no one, and as you say, like Romeo started quite well at the start of the season, but... Um, obviously, he's just for me. He's just not that good. He's not good enough for, let's say, a top eight nine side, um, and it, that's why Southampton are where they are really. Um, when I've always said Ward Prowse kind of should have been playing 
maybe ten years ago. Hmm. Um, like he, he he would fit into those type of midfields much better, where you could even play like just a good old fashioned right midfielder. Um, but nobody plays like that anymore. So he kind of he's kind of like just football's gone past his play. But I mean, he's still making the most of a good career. So fair play to him. Um, I mean, Simon, what was your 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 thoughts on this? And is this a turning point for Wolves even? Um, yeah, it's kind of a difficult one to really sort of work out. I thought Southampton the first half looked fairly comfortable, uh, especially after going one the up. But they're just the run of form they're in at the moment, like sort of Dave said, once the equaliser went in, they just seemed to don't know, just completely sort of collapse with the just massive lack of confidence. I've got to say, I thought the penalty was a little harsh. Um, you know, the ball was leathered from fairly close range at Bertrand's. Um, so I thought they were a tad unlucky with that. Uh, for Wolves, obviously, big result for them. Um, it could be a turning point, but, I mean, you just don't know, because as I say, Southampton just in such a wretched run of form at the moment. So it may not be the most impressive thing to have to, to be beating them at the moment, so I think it probably remains to be seen with Wolves, but um, yeah, Hassan Hill, I think he's got, got a bit of work to do there to, to sort of turn this around, because as you say, once once you get into like a run of form like that, it, it's really difficult to get out of it, so yeah, maybe a few slight concerns uh, down for Southampton at the moment. I mean, I was very big on Hassan Hill a few, even as recently as a few weeks ago, but I just kind of was thinking now, like, if he was in charge of my club, we'd lost nine nil twice under his. Team. Yeah, like, I think that's always going to hang over him now. Like, that's yeah, the, that's the first thing I think of now when when you think of him. It's just like, imagine losing nine nil twice. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> once is you no know, very well, unfortunate, but that's it. for that like, to have happened twice is uh... especially like the runner form he had after it. You know, it was kind of like the redemption story. Um. I mean, you can't have like one a season. Like you couldn't keep going at that one a season. <laughs> no. Well, I know it's like having your, it's like having your house blown down, isn't it? And he, he obviously rebuilds it like, like this fucking mansion, and everyone's like, ah, oh, great, great mansion. This, but it turns out like the foundations are built are made of, you know, like straws or something, and then all of a sudden it falls <laughs> down. And now yeah. he's going to start building it again, and it's like, how many times can the same set of players lose nine nil? Like it's not a normal result, is it? If you get one in your career, you've been unlucky. <laughs> Yeah. Twice in eighteen months is, is borderline insane. Well, how, yeah. Well, that's, how many? How many has there been in the Premier League? Like, just just thinking of that. Well, three, 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 and two of them are Southampton. Oh, yeah. I don't know where Southampton go. Um, I mean, can they attract a better manager than than Hassel Luton? Well, that's uh, it, that's it. They've gone all in on, haven't they? Like as I said the other week, like they were saying. He designs the, the tactics all the way down, like under nines, and they they all play yeah. the same way. So they've, they've obviously gone all in on Hasenhul, and I understand why because he, he he has an idea. It's it's modern. It's in keeping yeah. with how football is at the minute. Um, but I think it's just going to hang over him forever that they lost nine yeah. 0 twice. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I think that's a that's a perfect segue because I'm going to go from that wonderful style of football and uh, the planned training sessions um, from top to bottom to West Brom and Sam Allardyce um, against one one against Manchester United. Um, Big Sam, 
Man United, Dave. Well, as I said, it gets to 10 games, and that's when Big Sam's team gels, isn't it? But Just the magic happens. Well, it's annoying, because it's exactly as we said it was going to be, where you'd go out and you'd buy a striker from some fucking le- more money, less effort league and bring them over to the Premier League, and they'd be a nuisance. And he clearly has found that in, is it Diagne, Diagne, whatever you say it? Yeah. So he's, you know, he's he's one of these who's like technique one, but he's like 20 strength, 20 heading. <laughs> All the physical stats are there, and he'll just he'll just be a nuisance all game. Um, he's got Snodgrass who will just put it, put the ball in the box over and over again. He's got his big centre halves who will head everything. Um, Man United weren't particularly good, but they mean, they really are particularly good. They just have in, in, individual geniuses who come up with stuff. Um, even this like Fernandez shins in a volley. <laughs> um, you know, fair play for being able to do it, but they didn't. Oh, they, I wouldn't have said that they, they peppered the West Brom goal. I think West Brom had probably the best chance when Diagne went through and the keeper saved it. Um, I hope this isn't the start of West Brom comeback, but um, as Sile no doubt going into in a minute, like <laughs> everyone else goes to West Brom and has a hat full of chances. <laughs> like, this is Man United is having a bad day, I think. But but nobody creates chances against West Brom. I'm sure Oli Sosha said this after the game. I'm sure I've read a comment about this. Harry um, Maguire said it definitely. Was it Harry Maguire? Was that who it was? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think it was. I think it was your uh, Simon. Yeah. Do you want to it, don't elaborate on on? It's unbelievable. <laughs> he, he, yeah, he's interviewed on Sky after the game saying. It's a it's a tough place to come. You're never going to come here and create nine, ten chances. And I was like looking back at uh, some of West Brom's home results this season: five one to Palace, four nil against Arsenal, five nil against Leeds, three nil against us. And I thought, <laughs> nah, you know, Man City put I think five or six past them, and I was like, um, Harry, I'm not sure if you've quite done your homework <laughs> because <laughs> the Hawthorns has been a very easy place to go this season, and I mean, I don't know if, if that was the more embarrassing thing he said or when he said the uh, decisions are going against us at the moment. And I was like, the goal for Man United player to, to say that decisions are going against them was unbelievable. <laughs> I couldn't believe what I was hearing from him. Yeah, um, <laughs> Dave, I mean, what more can you add to that? <laughs> like that's... No, that's it. I mean, as I say... Uh... I don't think this is the start of a West Brom comeback. I hope it's not. Um, it's definitely not. Uh, I mean, they've got your boys Burnley at the weekend and then Brighton. I think they've got to be looking at taking four points from those two games if they, if they are going to yeah. come back in this. And then on the 6th of March, they have got us at the Hawthorns. Oh. Don't let it happen. Don't be the team that my holidays. Stay up. <laughs> As I said the other week, like our history with Big Sam, it's like it's intertwined throughout the last fifteen years or so. I wouldn't be surprised in the slightest if they stay up at our expense. That would be the bitterest pill to swallow. (laughs) (laughs) It won't happen. At the cost of Sam Hardy's knocking you out of the Premier League. Mm, Well, small small mercies. Anyway, we'll move across to which was probably the most anticipated like high scoring game of the weekend, 
Um, no team can defend. Um, but normally Arsenal can't attack either. But Arsenal 4, Leeds 2. I mean, Simon, I'll come to you. You've been the most critical of Arteta and his comments after games. Um, he's got to be pleased with this one. Yeah, I think for the first time in a while, he, he can quite validly claim that, that they did deserve to win the match. Um, I'll be honest, I, I was going to, well, I was just about to say I didn't see it coming. Um, but it, then it, it's Leeds, so I yeah. kind of, it, it doesn't surprise yeah. me that they conceded so many goals. I, I believe now West Brom are the only team to have conceded more than Leeds, so wow. it was, uh, from that point of view, not a surprise. But, um, yeah, I mean, Leeds, they, they, they just had an absolute nightmare, and I think it's, uh, it shows yet again, without Calvin Phillips, they just, they seem a completely different team, because that first half, it wasn't just how that they were poor defensively, but they didn't really offer too much going forward in the first half, which is not something that you could normally say about Leeds. So um, from Arsenal's point of view, obviously, you know, cracking result for them and uh, a nice performance. But some of, I mean, I don't know if you've seen any of the goals, but no. some of the uh, the defending and, and goalkeeping for a, uh, for at least three of them, if I remember rightly, were absolutely shocking. I mean, the third goal, I think Saka picked the ball up out on the right wing and basically ran ac- across sort of half the pitch into the box. And then yeah. it, was like, it was like watching a great five-a-side team against sort <laughs> of a, a team of a ringers <laughs> strung together at the back. It was, uh, it was well, awful. Well, that's basically <laughs> what they're doing this season, isn't it? They're, like, I mean, Liverpool talk about, obviously, a defensive crisis, but... Like, according to Ross, like, Leeds is all over the place. Like, they've got, like, no centre-halves. They're playing left-backs at centre-half. They're now playing, playing centre-backs in centre-midfield. And yes. they're at right-back or something, did I read in the, the chat. So, like, I mean, is Bielsa really this mad? <laughs> well, seemingly, yeah. I mean, as I say, Phillips is out. And rather than just sort of making one like-for-like replacement, he, he seemed to sort of reshuffle the whole defence as well which I mean clearly didn't work to be fair to them the second half uh, they fell 4-0 down very early on in the second half and you could be forgiven for thinking you know maybe just try and shut up shop and let's not make this embarrassing but they went at them and had a real go got a couple of goals back had uh, a penalty shout uh, on Patrick Bamford I personally don't think it was a penalty and I think Bamford maybe is a victim of his own reputation for going down a bit easily, but whoever is in charge of VAR, they really, even if they thought it wasn't a penalty, they should have given it, because if Leeds had pulled that back to 4-3 with 10 minutes to go, yeah. what a final 10 minutes that would have been to watch. Like, <laughs> they would have probably gone on to win 5-4, and it would have been an unbelievable match. But um, yeah, it's just typical Leeds in the way that you, you just you don't know what you're going to get. If they'd have won this game 4-2, like, I wouldn't have been surprised, but um, a good win for Arsenal, though, and a much-needed one. Yeah, especially the I mean, a hat-trick. Um, I mean, Dave, what was your thoughts on the, I mean, the Leeds game? I mean, kind of standard Leeds performance almost, isn't it? Yeah, I think away, away at one of the bigger sides, that's kind of your fair for Leeds. They are going to ship goals. Um, I did think it was a penalty on Bamford. I, 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 you never see them given, really, but I hate that kind of challenge where... There's absolutely no attempt on the ball whatsoever, and if it happens anywhere else on the, pi- on the pitch, you'd definitely get a free kick for it. I, I don't, I don't see why you get away with it just because it's in the penalty box. But it's 
it's one of those, isn't it? But it would have been a hell of a last ten minutes had they given it. Um, <laughs> I think the way Arsenal set up is the way they should be setting up for the rest of the season as well. I think they've found a style that suits them. I think Saka playing as a almost like an inside right uh, suits them down the ground. Aubameyang's got to play as a centre forward, and I think having Odegaard on the left helped as well because he. He's quite a clever player. I don't know an awful lot about him other than being a you know a wonder kid and all this kind of stuff. But he's um, he's better than Willian, and he's not as erratic as Pepe. Um, and obviously Smith rule in the ten rule, whatever you want to call it, he seems to have found that that little niche for himself now. So I think that's quite a good fun four for them to to build on. Um, but at the same time, playing against Leeds without Phillips as well, which was spoke about before, you take him out, and all of a sudden. There's not an awful lot of depth in that lead squad, is there? I made no. a, I made the point on Twitter where like it's like the old Pez Master League days where you buy your first eleven and then as soon as you get like an injury or suspension you've got the old like Master League defaults are coming in and they're all crap. Like, <laughs> <laughs> bought some players off the bench who were just like they're nowhere near Premier League quality, but it's uh, I guess it's just how they've built their team. Obviously, it's only going to get stronger the more, the, the more seasons they've got under the belt. Yeah, no, that's that's completely fair. I mean, me and Simon were just talking about just before as well about just the the defensive problems I've had um, defensively. Not that the defenders are actually any good um, when they're, when they're all fit, but at least they're defenders. And and Phillips is is such an incredible talent for his age um, to be missing is is going to be huge for a team like Leeds, who, as you just said, they've, they they don't have the the largest the squads and especially quality uh, quality and depth as well. But I mean I think they're I think we can all agree they're they're probably safe and the way they play they'll pick up enough points between now and the end of the season to remain clear. Um I mean Arsenal yeah, great win for them. Um I I think top half still is is going to be good for them this season. Not what they would have wanted at the start of the season but from where they were a couple of months ago. Um I think if they can finish in that seventh to tenth place, um, again, like Spurs, as, as I said earlier, I think they'd be better not finishing in a European place. Trying, you know, just concentrating on the league, trying building, unless they can win the Europa League, obviously, um, and get Champions League place that way. I just think for a team who are going to try and build, I think you're better. Finishing outside the Europa League places, it's just it's it's a competition you don't really need. Um, but yeah, Arsenal's owners again will want that European money coming in. Looking at the table, it's quite hard to hard to say who's going to miss out on these. Let's say the top seven will get it, um, assuming there's no shock cup winners. Yeah, um, it's quite hard to decide who would miss out at the minute. Um. I mean, you'd, you'd think West Ham would drop off. Yeah, I mean, but like again, like no offense to 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 Villa, Simon, but it, it's hard if we're saying you'd expect you know West Ham to drop pace. Can <clears> you see Arsenal Villa keeping enough pace as well? You know, throughout the the remainder of the season. Um, I mean, unlikely. It's, it, I yeah. mean. Yeah, it's, it's hard to see like the form Villa are in, but again, just uh, my biggest concern for Villa just, just only maybe three, four games ago was was all these games in hand, 
um, and still having two games in hand on all, all the teams. So they've got two games in hand on Arsenal, and they're only two points clear, granted. Um, but there's no guarantee they're going to win those games. Just because the game, yeah. the way this season's just so enclosed, like, you could see Arsenal... I mean, I mean, let's say Arsenal put three wins together, takes them to 43. Um, that's five games. Like, Villa would need to win, you know, minimum of four of them just to stay ahead. Um, it really is, as you say, Dave, it's like picking who who's your seven. I think the top four are, are almost guaranteed. I'd like to think Liverpool have got enough in them to stay in the top seven. Um, but again, I would rather be eighth than fifth. Because I, don't, I would rather not have Europa League, um, but if we're just talking stat wise, I, I mean I think Liverpool would have enough. I'd fancy Everton to have enough, just because of Ancelotti as a manager, and you know they're, they're, if they had just a goalkeeper, um, <laughs> maybe if they put the two goalkeepers in goal together, they might get you know one. Well, I'm sure um, I'm sure we'll come on Everton in a minute when we get to their game, but they are probably. Making a good pick to be the strangest team in the league. Like, <laughs> I, well, I tell you what, we'll call that segue now, Dave. Just take us straight on to that Everton nil Fulham two. Well, I mean, there's no other way to describe it. Like Everton were turbo shit. Like, if I was to tell you, like, the, like the five worst performances I've seen in the Premier League this season, I think at least two of them would be Everton, possibly three. <laughs> like, they, they were just so poor against average opposition like it was pretty much a carbon copy of when we went there and beat them a few weeks ago like so awful and I mean at least here they were missing Calvert-Lewin um, which will probably point to as a reason for not being that great but Fulham Fulham deserved to win probably 3 or 4 nil. like they were so much better than them um, and I, I look at Everton in the table in the seventh I think, how has that even happened like when I think back and I watched them get beat at home off West Ham without barely having a shot and goal, I say, obviously we beat them there, and I don't even remember them win that many games recently. But somehow they're seventh, and if they win, they're two games in hand. I guess net they could be fourth, which is yeah. bizarre. <laughs> but I guess that's just the season. The season in as, as a, that kind of sums it up. Yeah, I think I think you're right. I think Everton kind of sum up the season. But I mean, I, and I'd put Man United in that bracket as well. I, I just don't understand how they're second in the league. <laughs> There's very few games I remember them playing well, um, but getting results. I mean, Everton went in that much. I think I feel like they got their all their forty points in the first five games of the season. Yeah, when they went undefeated, um, and the Everton fans were going to win the league. Um, but yeah, it's just mad. I mean. <sighs> I think you're right. I think they probably blame Calvert Lewin's miss, but um, Everton have, you know, apart from goalkeeper, a solid enough squad. I suppose striker might be the one issue, but they've got a, like with, with ha- I don't know if Hamez played. He did. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So it's a concern. I mean, take nothing as you say. Take nothing away from Fulham. Fulham more than deserve that win. Um, and they're, they're looking better and better as as go on. But yeah, I mean Everton still had Richarlison, fifty million, Rodriguez, uh, Sigurdsson, which was about forty million as well, I believe. Uh, Decure, Andre Gomez, Dinia's back. Um, I mean Holgate did play centre half, and I'm pretty sure Adam will tell you he's like the worst player in the world. Uh, Josh King came off the bench. Um, 
I mean, Michael Keane came off the bench. I, I can only assume he's just back from in. Why did Michael Keane come off the, on twice? They started to rotate the centre-backs because they've got Godfrey, Mina, Keane and Holgate. And I think plus they've had a lot of games recently where they played 120 minutes in the FA Cup on Wednesday or Thursday, whenever right. it was. So I think they've just started to rotate their defence a little bit. But um, I think they, he, he brought them on and tried to change the system a bit because they were getting, well, dicked, basically. They couldn't they couldn't get a foothold in the game at all. Um, yeah. But it didn't really make much difference. I mean, you listed all the players there, and they're all good players. Like, they, they, yeah. they you know, they, they should be seventh. Like, it's not a false position by any means. They're just infuriating when they throw in these terrible performances against crap teams. <laughs> it's, uh, I mean, you know, I'm I'm mildly annoyed by it because it affects us. But, like, but, that's, but like, that's definitely added your notches up a bit. But like, Adam must be must be furious at times like this. Like, it's. Uh, they're never going to get a better opportunity to finish in the top four. Um, and I, I just I mean, I mentioned three home games there. They should have won a decanter and obviously have played pretty poorly in them all. Yeah, I think Everton fans must be really dis. Everton fans have invested a lot. Everton, the board, sorry, have invested a lot of money into that team in the last four or five seasons. And they're just not getting any better, I don't believe. I just still feel like they're that same Everton that David Moyes had them. Well, I mean, what do you do if you're Everton? Like, you've got a world-class manager and you've signed all these players for not an insignificant amount of money. What's next? Like, what, what do you go and do? Yeah, what, just sack the manager and start again? You know, a new, a new, a new ideology, you know, bring in Eddie Howe. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's an interesting one, as I say, lack of sympathy um, on my behalf. Um, but... You know, you most teams, I mean, including Liverpool, would be envious with the amount of money they've spent because they don't sell players for a lot of money. It's not like they're they're getting investment from players that they're making, you know, mass profits off. So the the owners are fairly backing each manager that they've had. Um, I do believe there's been a lot of poor poor signings, especially as I think we mentioned a few weeks ago that the uh, Sigurdsson Rooney window where they bought 19 attacking midfielders <laughs> with the average FIFA pace of 23. <laughs> but yeah, it just looks, I mean, it looks poor. Um, I mean, Simon, what's your thoughts on Everton? And yeah, talk us through Fulham's performance. Uh, well, on Everton, I think you guys have sort of summed up, really. They're just so strange, some of their results. Obviously, uh, the one last night and the Newcastle one. I think maybe uh, on the preview show, Adam should stop saying to, uh, there's nothing to worry about with some of these games coming up because that's Newcastle and Fulham. He said that about now and uh, they've lost both of those games 2-0. So I don't know if he's jinxing them. Uh, i seen it. <laughs> from uh, Fulham, they, yeah, that, as Dave said, they were excellent. Like, they dominated pretty much for 90 minutes. Um and it's a really important win for them. And obviously with the game in hand against Burnley now, if they win that, four points off Newcastle. And obviously with uh, Callum Wilson being out injured for a bit, they they could really sort of drag Newcastle right back into it. So, um, yeah, Fulham, I think we kind of maybe said a few weeks ago, I think me and Dave were maybe thinking that if there was one team in the bottom three that could get out, it would be Fulham. I still think the bottom three as it is will go down. But... 
if they can beat Burnley this week, they've put themselves in a fairly decent position to uh, to make a proper scrap of getting out of uh, relegation trouble now. You're fine, Dave. I have all faith in Sir Deitch. That's I mean, look at Fulham's games, though, and like they're playing a lot of teams who are, you know, it's a good time to play them. Um, we mentioned uh, Palace's plight earlier; they're coming up for them. Um, it's uh, I'm con- I'm concerned because it's like a you know Fulham are getting better and better every week. We aren't particularly; we're kind of treading water a bit. So they go to Burnley on Wednesday. They got Sheffield United on Saturday. Palace away the week after. Uh, Liverpool away, which well, <laughs> you tell me. Um, <laughs> Man City at home. Surely to God, they'll get beat there. Um, but even uh, in those five games, you wouldn't be surprised for them to take main points there. That's what I'm worried about. I mean, luckily after that, it gets a bit harder for them. Like they, they, yeah. the, the April onwards isn't great. They go to Villa. Uh, they've got Arsenal away, Chelsea away, um, Southampton away, Man United away, and us at home to finish. So by then, Wilson should be back, and we might claw some points back. But. Um, uh, so I just we just don't need this in our lives. Like just, just, <laughs> just go quietly. Don't leave us leave us out of it. Yeah, it's um, yeah, it's going to be a an interesting few weeks, listeners. Um, <coughs> just even day week by week. Um, just hopefully, hopefully, as I say, never mind. Next time next week, Newcastle going to win at the weekend. Right. Um, uh, we'll uh, get one point out of six. How how is this a pressure, right? Our our um, last six games, this yeah, April the twenty fourth, Liverpool away, first of May, Arsenal at home, eighth of May, Leicester away, twelfth of May, Man City at home. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus, which which leaves two games, which is Sheffield United at home and Fulham away. So is it next season that are we doing a Premier League and Championship review? <laughs> uh, that's, a, that's a horrendous running, Dave. If you're not, I know. So, so, know, so, so, a week clear. so thank God Wilson will be back by then, eh? To watch to watch those great teams keep the ball. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, mercy! That's that's brutal. Um, right, I think we'll move off film just quickly before Dave um, Dave ends it all. Um, the early kickoff tonight was West Ham Sheffield United, who I mentioned at the start. Liverpool fans were begging for a Sheffield United win here. Um, West Ham done it again. West Ham three Sheffield. I know it's only Sheffield United, but Sheffield United nil. No. Uh, Simon, I come to you on this one since you know it's those that. <coughs> uh, very comfortable for West Ham. Um, to be fair, Chef, I, I was a bit surprised really because I mean obviously. Sheffield United at the bottom, they've not been great this season, but they've really been properly battered. They've always sort of been fairly competitive in, in the games, but I mean, West Ham were just in total control from start to finish. They, they had an early penalty overturned for an offside. It was a really strange one. It was, I think mean, it was a free kick that was hit. It was saved and then it fell out to um, Dawson. I think he got tripped. So, I'm a bit confused with the offside rule. I didn't know if it was like a new phase of play or something. I mean, I'm sure we're all a bit confused with it, but they did end up getting a penalty anyway. Lingard's taken out, there's no doubts about it. 
and it was just another one of those the West Ham were in full control anyway as soon as they got themselves in the lead there was you know, very little chance of United getting back into the game because they just don't have goal scorers and West Ham just it was just a really really comfortable night for them and I'd have thought Sheffield United would have given them a a bit more of a game not necessarily gone on and won or taken the point or anything but it was a it was a pretty poor performance from them considering they'd been on a semi-decent run of form uh, recently uh, West Ham they just keep on going don't they it's uh, very impressive no one saw that coming up the start of the season makes you wonder like, didn't West Ham start with a home defeat to us and now look where we yeah. are <laughs> <laughs> uh, those were the days <laughs> And and this was without Antonio as well, who you kind of you think if they don't have him playing, you sort of think where the goal's going to come from from them. But I know they, they didn't miss him tonight. And they played a, like a fluid front three, and it was bizarre to see Moyes play in such a way. And then when you get Ryan Fredericks coming on and going on a little mazy dribble and potting one in the bottom corner in injury time, you think, what is life? Like, <laughs> why? Any, why are any of us here? <laughs> I, I'm glad you're slowly starting to come to my side. <laughs> you're almost going to be jumping on my little lap soon. <laughs> um, yeah, like massive three points for West Ham. Moyes kind of... Look, as, as good a job as Moyes is doing, and he is, so I'll give him credit. West Ham has spent a lot of money to be where they are as well. Um, yeah, I mean, they last season, they, they massively underachieved, and they're probably overachieving this year, but... You know, fair play to Moyes. He's got them, you know, playing some decent stuff at times. Yeah, I, I do feel it's kind of like that. Everton Moyes is kind of back. Um, he's kind of found himself again. Um, I, I think that's about all we can really, uh, really add on that. Um, yeah, right, Dave. I've prolonged it as long we, as I can. Do we have to? Uh, well, well, shall we just say the score and, and wind well, up? Well, I mean. To be honest, it was Chelsea two, Newcastle nil, just for the and, and they scored two scruffy goals. Um, Werner played quite well, ran the channels a lot, lashed one across, which kind of half dealt with, and Giroud lashed it in, and then they scored a scruffy one from a corner, <sighs> and that was about it. Like, yeah, we turned up, we tried to press. In fairness, uh, as I said before, we came on recording like. We we barely ever win at Stamford Bridge. Um, we didn't even win there when we were good, like in the in the mid nineties and stuff. So I'm not, I wasn't expecting to win. It isn't the type of game which is going to define our season. Uh, I'm pleased we didn't get thrashed. Um, I can't take many positives out of it other than that. But we've got Monday of the weekend. Let's get these fixtures out of the way and then try and salvage this train wreck of a season. Yeah, sounds about sounds about the best you can hope for against teams like that just now. Uh, I mean, Simon, I mean, did you watch the game? And I mean, much yeah. better on Dave's despair there. No, I think he pretty much summed it up there. I don't think any anyone thought that uh, Newcastle were going to go and get a result there. Chelsea, they've to, to be fair, Thomas Tuchel has timed this very well because you look at the games he's had since mm. he's come in. And they, they've fallen very kindly for him. They're all games you, they should have been winning anyway. So he's uh, he's that. But then I suppose for him, it's it's a nice sort of 
base to build from, isn't it? Now they've got themselves in the top four, well, I, I would think, expect them to stay in there. That's it. He's been able to have a look at pretty much his entire squad um, by rotating the team against, as you say, bang average opposition. Um, yeah. And that's been generous to some of the teams he's played in that time. <laughs> um, I agree. I think they'll be in the top four without without question now. Um, although we seem to have killed Tommy Abraham tonight. So whether that, yeah. <laughs> whether whether that affects them or not, I don't know. But uh, they um, they'll be absolutely fine. They've got talent in abundance. Um, they should be in the top four anyway. It was kind of you know. I think Lampard would have would have been in and around the top four, but he wouldn't have been. It was never a guarantee. But I think now they're, they're pretty much cast iron to finish in the top four, aren't they? Yeah. And now Werner's finally got off the mark again after so, so long. You know that that should boost his confidence definitely. Well, we seem to spend the night slap him in the mouth. So I mean, we had <laughs> we had three or four goals at him, um, and that didn't stop nothing. Will so yeah, I'm just pleased it's over with. We don't have to play them for another few months. Well, it's, well, it's if, almost if, if we're looking. fingers crossed. <laughs> it's almost like putting a football manager in with proper tactics. Um, it's helped Werner become, you know, the striker that he was in Germany. I don't know. Like, it's I mean, funny how that happened. I mean, he tried his he, best. He, thought, uh... he tried his best to miss. In fairness to him, he, uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm not. I'm not on the Werner's great train just yet. I mean, he, he has only scored one against us. Okay, fair, fair. Um, yeah, Chelsea top four. I think we've uh, we've spoken about Newcastle. I mean, fairly, fairly consistently through this, Dave. It's going to be a a tricky couple of months coming up. Um, it's not going to be easy, put it that way. Uh, I just don't have the fight for Dali. Like, I'm just I'm just sick of the back teeth of it all. But hopefully, we'll just we'll just stay up and we'll forget about it, and then we can get a better manager in, and hopefully. An owner who gives a shit, and then who That's knows? It. Maybe we'll have better times ahead. But until then, I'm with you. Misery, <laughs> misery, misery. misery. <laughs> At least you've probably got more of a reason than me. To be fair, I'm just spat the dummy. And you know what? As I said to everybody, like if this had been a normal season, in no way would I have stopped watching or stopped caring. If this was just a normal season with fans and, but. I, this is what I blame the negativity on. Um, well, that's the the end of the this week's fixtures. We'll have a quick prediction on the the two games midweek. Um, I'll assume you're predicting a Burnley win on Wednesday, Dave. Oh, a hundred percent, yes. Uh, <laughs> Sean Dyche's Claret and Blue Army. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think Burnley will probably sort of shit house a one 0 like they normally do. And then Everton City, Dave, I'll come to you first. Uh, well, I hope and think City will win, probably at a canter, um, because Everton were absolutely atrocious on at the weekend, and I just, well, it'll be the biggest of all turnarounds if they can come back from that and beat Man City in this form. Would <laughs> be the most Everton result ever. Well, that is that. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Simon, and yourself for this one? Yeah, City. Just- I can't see anyone stopping them at the moment, the way they're playing. Yeah, no, I can't agree more. Right, Simon, tell the, the fine people where they can find you. Uh, on Twitter, at Cy O'Regan. And, uh, while you're on, Simon, what else have you been performing on that you can let <laughs> Oh, well, yeah, depending <laughs> on if, uh, if cheating this goes out in days. time. Um, tomorrow night, Tuesday night, uh, if you turn on BBC One at 5.15, you'll see me on Pointless, trying to win some money. 
uh, being on a football podcast, there is a football round on the show, so there's the pressure's on for me to perform in that. <laughs> yeah, probably we're going to have a match of the uh, a match of the day, a man in the post watch along, um, <laughs> watching Simon there. Um, and Dave, where can they find you, and what are you working on at the moment? Uh, what am I working on at the minute? It's a good question. Um, <laughs> we we have a Chumpman podcast that just still haven't found time with Ross to get the the bits recorded. So that will come out this month at some point. Um, but just keep an eye on Twitter at CM9798. We've got all the usual Champ stuff plus Chumpman fans, which is part of what the podcast is all about, which is just we're going through the whole series and we've got some download links in there, which people are enjoying. So we're bringing it all back. But uh, yeah, keep an eye on all that. Yeah, seeing some of the boys in the in the WhatsApp group. That's it. I mean, there's there's no greater advert for how easy it is than Chris Etchingham managed to download (laughs) and play Champman ninety five ninety six. So you can. That's my aim. In two weeks' time, I'm on holiday. I'm going to get it downloaded and spend a week just constantly, no sleep, just back to my my school days (laughs) um, and do that. Uh, that's excellent. The the boys will be back. Well, boys and girls, sorry, shall we be back on Thursday with the the review show? They'll be discussing the Champions League and previewing next weekend's games. That we will then be back. Uh, myself and Dave are recording uh, eleven pieces of me with a guest tomorrow evening as we record. Um, not hundred percent sure when it'll be out, but obviously it'll be on all your your great social media platforms. We are at Man in a Post on all your social media platforms, as I said, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Um, Chris does a fantastic job updating those. Um, give us a five star rating and review if you do like what we're doing, um, and if you don't, just tell us. But still, give us a five star review, please. Um, <laughs> thank you very much for joining me, chaps. Thank you. Cheers, Ali. Cheers, and I shall see you again next week with hopefully better results for for the three of us, or at least used to. Um, especially yourself, Dave. I'm not really bored, but Simon, because they beat us. Well, still, uh, <laughs> we're playing Leicester next week, so surely you want us to win that. Oh man, that's like the that's like the lesser. Who do I want to win? Like the team that beat us seven two or Brendan Rodgers? <laughs> well, <laughs> stick with the theme. I think it's going to be a pointless weekend for us all. Oh, I like it, I like it. And on that note, always remember to keep your man on the post.